Hey everybody and welcome to Behind the Wing, the 315th Airlift Wings official podcast here at Joint Base Charleston. We're excited to have another edition. I'm your host, Major Wayne Caps, with my co-host today here in the studio, Lieutenant Richard Coxum. Lieutenant's back in the building. Yeah. All right, we're glad to have you in here. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. I know, it's been a couple weeks. Last time I was on, we were talking with Sergeant Pilch about his trip over to South Korea, and that was a pretty good, supporting the Olympics. That was a pretty interesting episode. So Yeah, glad to have you back in here. So we're going to have fun today. We have actually no guests. We've got lots and lots of things to cover but this is one of the first things that we've we've ever done where we've had no guests and uh, our news guy Michael and I we were sitting around chatting about it and he said who do you want to have in here I said we've got so much to talk about let's just sit down and just hash it out and talk about what's going on yeah, that's a good idea. It's a little bit different format, but we got some new things we're bringing to you, so we're excited to go over them and bring you what we got. Yeah, so first, I'll just hit some of the highlights. The D-Day anniversary was a big thing for us, so we'll talk about that. We did something pretty cool that's never been done in the Air Force, and uh, you're going to be talking about the Air Force's brand new uniform, our, our, our daily uniform that we're going to be wearing. I'm excited about, about getting into that. And then we're going to go into some news, uh, and Michael's going to hit just a bevy of topics everything from air shows to a new mission video that was just released we're so excited about that we have somebody trying out for the air force triathlon we had a wedding on the c-17 and we're going to close it off and we're going to finish up the show by talking about our inspection that we finished up last month that we're glad it's over but we're so proud of the wing all those topics are great so we're excited to get to it so let's go ahead and get the rundown going So the first thing on the agenda today is the 74th anniversary of D-Day. Richard, this is really near and dear to my heart. I've got, I, when I first came into this office several years ago, I actually got to go back to Spanhoe, England with five veterans from the 315th Troop Carrier Group. And on the ground, there were two more. So we had seven total veterans from the 315th. And we got to fly over over the field that they flew out of 74 years ago this week. It was it was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, a lot of people don't know the history of where the 315th came from, and to for you to be able to go back and see that with the members who were part of the unit when it was back with the troop carrier group uh, must be an an amazing experience for you. So I met some absolutely amazing people, and one of the most near and dear people to my heart, Lieutenant Colonel retired uh, Dick Ford, hung out with him for a long time, and he would come back to Charleston, stop by, we'd go have lunch, and this guy was in his 80s, and let me tell you, he was jumping off the ramp of the C-17, he was running around, he didn't stop the entire time we were in England, I haven't talked to Dick in a, in a long time, so I don't know where he's at right now, but I'm telling you, one of the most impressive gentlemen I've ever seen, and to, to sit and, and talk about his stories, and if you look under on YouTube, on our YouTube page, there's actually an interview I did with him years back and where he talks about getting shot down, and he's just laughing about it and having a good old time. It, the guy's amazing. I can't imagine what it's like for him to go back and mentally relive the time, the scenes, the days, the nights, the hours that he spent over there fighting. So it's must have been a very interesting thing to get inside of his mind and see what, what's going on now, these many years later. Yeah, so when I flew back, I was about to put on captain. I was a first lieutenant, and I had all of these guys who were World War II vets. They were flying back to England. They hadn't been back in probably 65 years. As we were about to go over Spanhoe Field, we got all five of them up in the flight deck. We're in the C-17, and we do a low, slow pass over, over Spanhoe Field, and they're 
I look around and there's not a dry eye in the place. There's wow. just tears rolling down. And it was probably one of the more touching things I've ever experienced in my career. And of course, the maintenance guy in the group, he has to stop and he, he kind of chuckles and he points and he said, <laughs> I knew a I knew a girl who lived in that house. And everybody <laughs> everybody started laughing. And then one of the other guys nudged him and said, you know, she's either 80 or dead, right? <laughs> and, you know, that set the tone for the whole weekend. These guys had such a good time. And, and it's that history is so near and dear to my heart after that trip. So I'm a big World War II history buff. So this year was the 74th anniversary of D-Day, of the D-Day invasion. So we were thinking and we wanted to do something to commemorate the people who came before us, because I think that's important. And we live, we're, we're, we're in public affairs. We live in a social media world. So I said, what if we do a social media reenactment, a full-on social media reenactment as if D-Day was happening on the anniversary of D-Day, as if it was happening in real time, just like live tweeting from an event. And everybody, you know, of course, there there were some naysayers, and I don't know, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't fit on that platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done some innovative things here in the wing, but this is one, if I'm not mistaken, the one of the first times, if not the first time this has ever been done in the Air Force. Yeah, it is the first time that anybody's ever done, well, and I coined the term, a social media reenactment because they, I didn't know what else to call it. So we decided, okay, we're going to do this. And we pulled our wings history and we did a lot of research and started digging in, into things with our, our historian and we pulled some books and we just pulled a lot of information and we started, started writing a timeline. And then about a quarter of the way through, I saw that the 437th Airlift Wing actually flew out of England as well. And they were right down the road from Spanho. And they're our active duty partners here. So I thought, okay, this is bigger than the 315. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it's a big event. So I reached out to those folks and I said, do you guys want to do this and come at it from a joint base Charleston perspective, not just a 315? Because it's way bigger than us. That was so awesome seeing that partnership because if you paid attention to it on social media, you saw them, the events as they played out happen on both pages. And it's just, it's so interesting to see. And it's more than just us telling the history. We we wrote it out and scripted it out as the people involved actually speaking and saying what they would have said while the events were occurring. And it's it's it almost puts you in the zone with them in the uh, in the briefing rooms in the aircraft coming back i mean it's it was the whole we ran the whole gamut of things that were included in this yeah so so we actually pulled everything together i got with the 437th and we combined our efforts so we were going to have a social media reenactment from a joint base charleston perspective as if we were deployed doing it tonight so we started out at seven o'clock and it, it happened overnight we we flew out of Spano just, just before midnight. So we started up from the briefing and as if it was really happening. And we got so much of a good response. And we got so much of a great response out of it. We were really excited to, to see some of, the, some of the interaction. Our first commander of the 315th, his daughter chimed in right away. And we posted pictures of him. And they, they actually loved it. And it was so interesting to see that. And... People were posting pictures of their dad and their grandfather, and it was just really exciting to see how popular it became. And actually, the 82nd Airborne, we never even reached out to those folks and because we were trying to keep it all about what our mission did as if it was coming from our people. 
and they started doing the exact same thing. So it grew into a whole operation from England to D-Day, and they did the night until they landed on the ground. So, wow. so yeah. I, I thought it was really cool. Seeing the pieces play out, the timeline play out, it, it kind of takes away your breath, um, so to say, to, to see actually what was occurring. It's, it's amazing. There are some things that I learned about our unit, the 315th, the 437th, that I, that I didn't know just merely by following this timeline of events as it happened. So that was a, a history lesson for me, to say the least. So and we wanted to, to include some real things. And one of the things that happened while the paratroopers were getting ready uh, to load the aircraft, one of the guys dropped a hand grenade, and it ignited several other hand grenade, and uh, several people several people were killed. It, it did some damage to the aircraft, but not that much. It injured the radio operator on the aircraft, and we we told that portion of the story just like it happened. And you know, there's been some conflicting history remarks. Some history, some books and, and accounts that I read said the aircraft didn't take off but yet we came back with, with every aircraft that we had. So we had to dig into our wing's unclassified official history and found out it actually lists that in there, and it says they cleared out the aircraft, washed it out, and then reloaded it. Wow. So uh, imagine that. You're getting ready to go. Boom, there's an explosion. It kills several of your buddies and, and injures the radio operator of the plane. They pull everybody out and take buckets of water and wash it out, and then load back up and take off for a mission. How put yourself in that position, and that—that's the kind of stuff that we tried to convey on this social media experiment that we had. It's kind of just gives me chills thinking about it again, from from that perspective, putting yourself in first person and thinking about it. Maybe the smells and you know what was going on, the time of day. I mean, it's it's all there, and definitely get back if you haven't seen it. Definitely follow our, our page and go back and reread the events as they occurred as we posted them. Yeah, so it's it's available right now. It's at the 315th Airlift Wing and 437th Airlift Wing on Facebook and on our Twitter feed as well. And you can go through, start in the beginning, and just go through just like it happened. Uh, I thought it was, it ended up really well. And I liked how we closed it. We ended, the, all the guys had fresh eggs for breakfast. Evidently, that was kind of a treat for them. So the night, the day they got back, they had fresh eggs, and it said everybody had a double shot of whiskey before they went to bed. <laughs> so, so you know, it's real world. I, I, our pilots now can, uh, you know, respect that. After a long mission, they'll come back and sit back, have a little drink, unwind a little bit. So I think, you know, putting that first-person stuff in there was really important, and it, it was it was exciting to do. Right, and uh, to, to all, everyone involved, everyone who was involved with the missions uh, from 315th and the the troop carrier group, the ones that passed away, we just want to make sure that we say thank you for, for your sacrifices in, in doing what you did, because we wouldn't be here without your sacrifices of, um, of fighting that day. Yeah, absolutely. And when you see it, uh, you know, I was really worried. The biggest fear that I had on doing this, because no, nobody's ever done anything like this. So is it going to blow up somebody's news feed? They're going to be aggravated and unfriend us, unlike, it, uh, unlike us, because we're, it's just, it just aggravating, just getting in the way. And I also feared uh, the whole war of the world situation. Somebody would kick in right in the middle and see that one of our planes exploded or was getting shot at, that they would think it was real time happening in real life. So we, we were uber careful about hashtagging and branding and making sure we let folks know that it was going on. So 
go back on our social media. It's still out there. We're going to keep it there for you to read. 315th Airlift Wing, and that's 315AW or 437AW. You can see it. We hope to make it bigger and better next year. It's the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Hopefully we get a whole bunch of partners and do it as one big combined event. And I think that would just be absolutely amazing because all the folks who did this deserve this kind of recognition. We wouldn't be here right now if those, if the 315 Troop Carrier Group wouldn't have gone to England and flown D-Day. Absolutely. You mentioned getting other people involved. It would be amazing to see if it wasn't just the 437th and 315th, but uh, you mentioned the 82nd, maybe some other units, and we make this thing uh, really big and global. Uh, it, it could be a really, really interesting thing to see from a global perspective how those D-Day events played out. So thank you, everybody, for making this social media reenactment uh, a success. We reached 175,000-plus people on social media so far. We were in 43 media outlets across the country and across England, so I would say that's a big success. So thank you, everybody, for your support. So switching gears to our next story, we want to talk about the Air Force newest uniform. This summer, the Air Force Chief of Staff announced that we're getting a new uniform. Rashard, tell us all about it. Back in mid-May, we got a notification from the Air Force Chief of Staff that would be switching to a new uniform. For the past few years, we've all been wearing the ABUs. Before that, we had the BDUs, but now we'll be moving to what we know, the common terminology is the OCP, the Operational Camouflage Pattern. We've seen it around for quite some time. The Army has been wearing this uniform out in the combat areas and as their standard wear for, for a few years now, but now it's the Air Force's time to move on to this new uniform. So, uh, you know, when, the, when I see something like that come out, we're going to switch uniforms, I always say, okay, why? You know, but I don't think that's as important of a question as when and how and, and what's it going to do for us because I, I think it's important to realize what that uniform is going to bring to the fight. So can you shed some light on all of that? Yeah, let's take a look at some of the benefits when we talk about this new uniform. It's, it's a uniform that's designed to work in all climates, regardless of whether you're in Arctic areas or whether you're out in the desert. It's designed to work in all climates, regardless of the mission that you're performing. As I said earlier, we've got lots of people who have already been wearing this uniform. If, if you've been deployed to the desert, you've probably been issued these uniforms already as a standard wear. Late last year, they switched. They went from the ABUs and switched over to the OCPs as an optional uniform if you were issued them. So. I fortunately had both uniforms when I was deployed last year to the Middle East, uh, and it's it's definitely, you're talking night and day, these uniforms. They're totally different. So why? Why? You're talking wearing what everybody out there thinks outside of the military is look and why. and You know, for us, we want to know, how's it wear? How's it fit? What's it like? Because, quite frankly, even the summer weight of the uniforms that we wear right now, the ABUs, the Airman Battle Uniform, is, is pretty heavy. It's thick. It's, it's almost a canvas-type material. We live in Charleston, South Carolina, <laughs> and in the summer, it's the temperature of the sun here. Yeah. So when you go outside, you feel it in these things. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I would say is that they're lightweight. To be totally honest and upfront with you, they're like wearing pajamas. They're really nice. The material isn't, isn't too heavy but it's not too light as well. They're, they're great for both cold weather and, and the winter weather, which is, again, it goes back to 
regardless of the climate, you'll be able to wear this uniform and perform your operations. So you're being all, all professional now and talking about it, but whenever whenever this thing was released, I remember you coming in going, the pajamas are back. Yeah, I love that. I love it. <laughs> it was great. Uh, you know, going back to my time in the desert, I had the opportunity to have the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, uh, Chief Calthright, visit our installation, and this was one of the hot topics for him in the in the open house that we had with him. And at the time, they were still kind of debating and making the decisions on what uh, how we would go forward with the uniform. But he was wearing it, and we got to see it firsthand and see how comfortable it was. So if we can wear it in 125 degree heat, it can definitely work here in Charleston. Yeah, and yeah I'll take with that. What, we have. <laughs> what I like about it is branding. And some people say the Air Force doesn't do a good job of branding. You know, that's been. Uh, that's been thrown out there because we change so much. We're in, we're the newest service, and uh, some people say that we're still finding our identity. I think we found our identity. We're just growing and, and growing into that identity, and I think that's important. And I'm glad to see that they're bringing the patches back. Yes, absolutely. That was one of the biggest things that I heard about about the uniforms. Are the patches coming back? Everybody, you know, we've all had our unit patches when we had the BDUs and uniforms before that. Are the patches coming back? And with this uniform, uh, we'll be able to have uh, have our our unit patches back. And I think that'll bring a lot of the heritage back that we've always come to know in the Air Force and the yeah. military. Yeah, for us, it's you know we're a heritage oriented environment. Even though we are the youngest service, we like to have those patches. And for morale, if if anything, I want people to look at my uniform and say, ah. That guy's a 315th guy, uh-huh. or that guy's a 437th guy, or he's a 628th person, or or she does this, or she works with the Red Horse, or combat camera, or uh, that person's this unit. It's not just the flyers who get that that organizational recognition anymore. So it'll be the entire Air Force. I think that's that's a big deal for a lot of people. Right. It is. The, the history is important. The history is is who we were, who we are, and definitely where we're going. So it'll be interesting to see this uniform as it as it gets into normal wear, as we see coming up here. And if we can jump on over to the timeline, if you want to head there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the normal wear, starting October 1 is when, if you've been issued the uniform, if you have serviceable uh, uniforms, OCP uniforms, you can start wearing those uh, come October 1, 2018 this year. Moving forward in April next year, We'll have the expansion in some of the AFI stores. The main stores you'll be able to get them from starting October 1 are actually Aviano Air Force Base in Italy, here at Joint Base Charleston. Uh, we got Shaw Air Force Base up in the Columbia area, and then uh, McDill Air Force Base down in Florida. So you'll okay. be able to get those uniforms and start wearing them, purchasing them in October, but we'll have expanded storage of those uniforms so you can go out and get them. So if you're on the West Coast, you got to rely on eBay. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> call us up. We'll ship you some. Yeah, there you go. But moving forward there, we've got 2020 is when the boots must be worn. We're switching from the sage greens that we know with the ABUs over to the coyote color. They're a little bit deeper deeper brown than the tan that, that we've worn before, but they're still a, still a great color, still a great, they match the uniform well. Uh, and then come April, 1 April 2021 is when the, the end date for the ABUs, and we all have to be switched over to the OCPs. So it, it's a slow rollout. It, mm-hmm. It's an actual slow rollout of this this product. And that's intentional. I mean, it, to meet the supply of the entire Air Force, you know, it's going to take some time. It's and a lot of money. So Colonel Gilmore, when we were talking about this, he wanted to us to really hammer home, hey, guys, 
October 1st is when you can wear them. It, this doesn't mean you're going to run run over to your supply person and get them issued. It's going to be a slow rollout through the unit through the next couple of years when your old uniform needs to be updated, and then you'll go in and get a new uniform issued. So if you've got a good ABU uniform going on right now, don't expect to run in and get it, get a new one issued. It's just not going to happen right now. Right. Sends the 100,000 airmen who are already wearing them. You've got to think, our big Air Force, we're 600,000 plus, 650,000 plus, uh, somewhere around those numbers. So we're trying to uh, outfit an entire organization. So it's going to take some time, that rollout. That's what, why they're giving us till 2021. And it's going to be a slow rollout. So if you're expecting to get these uniforms right away, it's just not going to happen. We're going to do it on a logical timeline. And for the air crew members out there, sorry, no rompers for you. Maybe the next time around when the uniform board meets. going to switch gears for just a second. We're going to do all things news and tell you what's going on here in and around the 315th Airlift Wing. We've got Michael Dukes, our news director, and he's our chief of command information. Welcome to the studio, Michael. Thank you. So what do you have for us? What's going on? So we've got a lot going on this month and for the last 30 days. We've been very busy. The D-Day social media thing, that kept us quite busy. But along the same lines, we just finished our new mission video, which ties into that whole heritage piece. I'm so excited about this video, and I'm so glad it just hit the streets. It's called A Legacy of Valor. It's about our historical tie. So... Uh, probably a year ago, we were talking, sitting around, we needed to update our mission video. We, we show these videos at Chamber of Commerce event. It's our Who We Are video. It's a five-minute video that we show tour groups and people who visit, it, and we put it out there on social media for everybody to share and find out who we are. But we wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something a little bit different. In the past, we've always done great compilation videos about the 315th airlift wing and little catchy slogans and phrases and high-end video graphics that come in. We wanted to scale all of that back and do less than a five-minute short video of two guys talking. And you say, okay, how can you make that interesting? <laughs> and, you know, if you're listening to us, you might you might like that. But So we set this at a bar. We yeah. have uh, somebody, the World War II two general. Two pilots going to a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that joke before. <laughs> but it, it's, it's all about an older gentleman sitting down, telling his story to a younger pilot who's telling the story of the current 315th airlift wing. And I think it came out really well. You did a lot of work on it, Michael, and I, I really appreciate all the hard work you put into it. But I think you guys are going to like it. So it's called A Legacy of Valor. You can find it on all of the 315th Airlift Wing social media platforms. And uh, let us know what you think. Make sure you comment and like it and subscribe. Yes. So that was some of the busy stuff we have been doing. We've got even more busy stuff coming up for the next, well, particularly in, in July, we've got two big, big air shows, or actually three, that we're going to be attending. One of them is at the Yeovilton International Air Day. The other one that's right on the back end of that is the Royal... The Royal International Air Tattoo. There you go. <laughs> it's one of the largest <laughs> in the world. I went to that last year, and I'll touch on Yeovilton. I love those people over there. It's it's a smaller town in southern England. We're typically the only Americans who go over there, 
and I've never been to a place where they've been so nice. They're they're just wonderful people. Treat so you like family. They really do. <laughs> Everybody there. They brought me cider, and it's not what you think. Uh, so uh, it, it's got a little bite. Woo! It's got a little bite to it. So you, you know they show up and they. They just have such a good time, and they love aviation over there, and they're so welcoming. So we're excited to go back. And we've got a crew in Niagara Falls right now at their air show. I just saw it on Fox News, and I talked to our ops group, and they left this morning. They're already there. So great air shows coming up. We've got a couple more. So Riyadh, you were talking about, the Mm -hmm. Royal International Air Tattoo. Uh, Huge event. One of the biggest in the world, and it's such a big air show. Chief of Staff was there last year. We had such a good time. It is the world's air power to see it on stage, and we'll be a part of that. And then I guess the largest in America is the Oshkosh Air Show? The Oshkosh Air Show, Air Venture, it should be fun. The 315 is going to have a presence there, so if you're up up around Oshkosh, come see us. It'll It'll be a good time. If not, you can certainly watch for pictures, photos, and videos of us being there. And, of course, if you missed last month's podcast, we covered our air show and talked to some of our folks that were out there. Yeah, and next month, I think uh, we're going to take this podcast on the road from England, and there's no telling what's going to come out of my (laughs) mouth or some of those folks' mouth. So uh, we're going to try to do our podcast on the road and have something. From the pub? No, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. We will not be at the pub. Two pilots. Yeah, walk into a bar. Two pilots walk into a bar. That's going to be the theme of next month's air show. Just kidding. We'll be over in England, so uh, I'm going to find the person with the strongest British accent and, and interview oh, yeah, them. And, definitely. And, you know, you can't put subtitles on a like, on what? a podcast. What do you say? <laughs> so it, it's like a Southerner here and, and and somebody with a Cockney accent over there having a conversation. Nobody can understand each other, so it'll be it'll be great. All right, switching over to sports. One of our 317th Airlift Squadron pilots, Major Jamie Turner, who's been very active in the Air Force sports program over the last, boy, it's almost a decade now. She actually, this week, as we speak, she's in California, and she's competing in the Armed Forces, the National Triathlon Championship there. Wow. So good luck, Jamie, if you're listening to this. Jamie is a wonderful person. And let me tell you, she does a lot for to represent the Air Force and the Air Force Reserve. And she's out there absolutely killing it doing these triathlons. And I, I've seen her run on trips as, as I'm sitting in the hotel lobby eating a donut. She'll run by. Yeah. So She's like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, keeps on going. So best of luck, Jamie. We're all with you in the 315th. And I know you're going to kill it while you're out there. And if she does well this week at the national championships, she has a chance being nominated to represent the United States at the World Military Championships. This year it's in Sweden. Yeah, good for her. So I'm That's... sure she's really eager to go to Sweden. Yeah, uh, so best of luck, Jamie. <laughs> and let's see, was it last month was the royal wedding? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And was it the same day that we had our wedding? It was, okay. yeah. yeah. So, so England had their royal wedding, and we had ours. Okay. I know a lot of people were following the English royal wedding last month. I know, Wayne, you were real excited about it. I was. I was a little <laughs> more excited than I should be, I have to admit it. <laughs> but we also had our own little 
not really a royal wedding, but to us it was. It meant a lot. It was two of our captains in our air medical evacuation squadron who actually got married on one of our C-17s out on the flight line. Yeah, that was that was a that was a good event. Uh, Captain Amanda and Derek Martindale, congratulations! They actually tied the knot on the C-17. I thought it was such a cool thing. They did it on a drill weekend. So all of their squadron mates could come to their wedding, and they did it on a C-17. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was exciting. So Amanda and Derek, amazing people. We were so, so happy for them. They actually met on a C-17, and then they got married on a C-17. So a nice full circle, and they did it right there in front of all their squadron mates. As the folks are coming in from work, they just walk out to the C-17, they get married, and then they walk back to the squadron. It, it, was, <laughs> it was a cool thing. It was, it, it was something that you don't see every day, and it was two very good people uniting two families. So it was wonderful. And we had one of our chaplains actually... Perform the ceremony. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was nice. We also just finished up a unit effectiveness inspection. Yes, we sure did. And uh, you say that three times fast, Michael. Uh, I had to. Yeah, I know, right? A little bit of editing going on there. Uh, But we just had our big UER, Unit Effectiveness Inspection. It's a two-year cumulative process that we get graded by Air Force Reserve Command on how effective our unit is. And the 315th, of course, came through with flying colors. We work with some amazing people. It's a two-year process. They give us a rating of effective, which is that's exactly what we want. That means we do our mission and do our mission well. So thanks to our IGI, our Inspector General Office here in the 315th Airlift Wing, for doing such a good job of keeping us on track. But really, everybody in the wing was just doing their job. And it's not like the old days where we used to come in and polish that rock a little bit before the inspectors came in and the ORI yeah the where you get in chemical gear and go operational fi- readiness inspection. go fight a war out in the field we don't inspect that way because we don't operate that way anymore so we've got a really good common sense inspection system now that that grades us on the job we do and the mission that we do right now and the 315 came through with flying colors so congratulations to everybody who participated because it was a long two-year process, that's for sure. You gotta work. Yeah. I'll right. save before the string cuts off again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna get back in. Oh. Hi, everyone. Oh, wow, that's loud coming right back in. <laughs> okay, unit effectiveness investigation. Investigation. Don't, don't say that. That's a different thing right there. A unit effectiveness. Let's do that one more time. <laughs> 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 <laughs>